This is Foolish Adventure, episode 25, all about product creation. Welcome to another episode of Foolish Adventure. I'm Izzy Hyman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and mentor and pal and kind of sidekick, I guess, Tim Conley. I'm a sidekick? All right, all right. I'm a sidekick. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knows I'm a sidekick. What's up, Izzy? How you doing? Okay. So today we are going to talk about... How to create a product. We're going to talk about all about product creation. It was Tim's idea that we cover this because based on, I guess, based on what we're hearing from our audience, it sounds like maybe a bunch of folks are in this stage of their business where they've got an idea and now they're creating a product. So hopefully some of the stuff we talk about today will be helpful. Yes, hopefully it will be. Yeah, exactly. And if not, blame it on Izzy. (laughs) What? (laughs) Not sure where that came from. Well, because you were like, this was my idea to, to cover this topic, so I don't want to take the blame for it. Yeah, it uh, is your idea. And yes. also, you came up with all the content for this episode. So if any of it is wrong or un- ineffective for whatever reason, <laughs> then uh, everybody can just hold you accountable for that yes. one. So. Well, I, I, I won't care. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, No, I, I'm pretending like we've come up with content ahead of time. The truth is that I've jotted down, looks like a total of seven or eight words to prepare for this. Yeah. And yeah. so this will be a very typical episode for us. One where we're talking out of experience and off the top of our heads and not so much about the notes that we've jotted down ahead of time because, frankly, the notes are very slim at <laughs> best. Okay. But I did want to talk about the different types of products. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. We covered in previous episodes where we talked about different types of digital products like ebooks, uh, audio, uh, video, and and software. We're not really going to cover software I've I've had small pieces of software developed years ago uh, before, but it's not. I don't have a ton of experience in that in that realm. So you know, we're not going to talk too much about creating software as um, as a product. So we'll stick with the and things that we have done. I have zero experience done. with that, so that's not something I can talk about really at all. Except I'm a user of software, and I've bought lots of software. But yeah, but getting it made is a completely different ballgame. Oh, game. I figured yeah. it would be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll stay away from that, I guess. So uh, let's let's start with eBooks because they're 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 actually one of the simplest things to actually create, and and a lot of people are really worried about their writing skills, and and that keeps them from sitting down and and writing out their eBook. So. What, what I've done in the past, and I do it actually now with some of my clients, we have uh, writers that we hire to write uh, content for us, special reports, ebooks, things like that. We, we lay out what it is that we want, and they go off and do all the research, and, and they create uh, 100% pure, uh, non-plagiarized content for, uh, for us, and we, tur- and we put it in PDF format. We have nice uh, designs created, which we have someone do that too. We, you know, we have someone create the design. We have people who know how to do uh, really pick uh, you know, typography, things like that. So we can have like really neat ebooks created and never touch it other than to make sure that it's going in the direction that we wanted it to go in. Okay, so that's different than the way that I've done stuff in the past where I'm more of a do-it-yourself type person. So I've done a lot of, I've done you know, the writing myself and I've done my own design on my website, for example, and things like that. Right. But so when you do have somebody else do this stuff, when you have somebody else write, where do you find that person and how much do they cost? Okay. Uh, I've, I've found most of my writers off of Elance and have done a great job uh, picking some. Uh, most of the, 
I, w- I would say that like the best and uh, cost effective riders I've ever gotten have been out of Canada. Oh, really? Yeah. That's uh, cool. I, I've tested American riders. I've tested uh, Indian and Filipino riders. I've, I've tested a, a, a probably in, in the range of 40 or something different riders over the years. And the Canadian riders just, you know, kill it. Huh. Uh, they do such a great job. So, and, and I don't purposefully pick. I, I just, I look at people's riding samples and based upon their price. I don't usually go with the lowest price. Sometimes I've gone with the highest price because they just had, you know, great samples. So th- that's, that's what I've done over the years. Just pick, pick those riders. Now, that's Elance. Uh, for Dot anybody com, that hasn't yeah. heard of this before, it's the letter E followed by Lance. It's like freelance, except it's without the F-R-E. Right. So, and I found out about Elance.com from uh, the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which is a basically a must read for probably anybody listening to this show. That's where I found out about Elance. And then I started using them to design logos. I've used Elance for a lot of my video animations, the intros and stuff like that, that hap- that play at the beginnings and yeah. endings of my videos. So you can get a lot of, it's, it's basically, it's just a fantastic place to find outsource uh, people to outsource work to. Right. So I've never used the writers. I mean, what is that like? I mean, you say, okay, I've got this project and then tell me about that. Okay. So I'll lay out what the project entails. Like I, I'm looking for a, an ebook, and it's going to be approximately fifty something pages, and or or by words, however you want to do it. Uh, you know, typically about two hundred fifty words per page, two hundred to two hundred fifty per page. So you you kind of look look at that. People don't want to go too far beyond fifty pages in an ebook. You might be able to get away with sixty uh, to seventy. You start getting longer than that. And most people will never finish your ebook. Oh, okay. So, so I, I usually like to stick when I'm getting one made in that 50 range because it still feels beefy enough that they got really good value. Quote beefy enough because right. it, actually there's no feeling to it at all. It's oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just a number, it's just a number of pages. Yeah. And, yeah. and so uh, unless I have a lot of images where I need, uh, more to, pages to diagram mm-hmm. stuff that then that's the only time I would typically go beyond that 50 page mark is when I know I need to use images uh, like infographics to explain what it is I'm talking about, like a graph or a table or something. Um, so so I go in there and I post what I want and and then people just bid. They, they tell they tell you uh, how much they're willing to do the job for. And then they post their writing samples and you read their writing samples to find out if it's any good. And, and you can, if you factor, you've got a budget of, uh, say $500 for your ebook, then anybody who bids, it comes in with a bid higher than that 500, you just say, well, I, I just can't afford it on this project and don't even look at their writing samples. That, that's that's how I start weeding things out. Then as soon if I see like a poorly written sample of any kind and that and not to knock uh, overseas writers, but almost all the poorly written stuff has been from because of the language language barrier. barrier yeah, right. Sure. Uh, also, Americans, uh, North Americans, Canadians and and U.S. have similar ways of using grammar. Whereas uh, England has uh, some different grammatical uh, usages, Uh, anything, anyone off the British 
British English system. And India uh, learns the, uh, the British English uh, system. So, so they'll bring... So you just want the writing to, quote, sound the uh, way that you would be writing it, yeah, I guess, maybe. Yeah, and, and not just that, but my market, Your market. reads. Mm-hmm. So, so if I was selling something targeted to England or, or Australia, I'm going to want it written in British English. Yep. So, but my markets have always been the U.S. It's the only thing that... I, North America, it's the only thing that I really understand. And so I just focus on North America and and i look for writers who can write that way and and what i found is Cana- uh, the canadians have been uh, great at it and and at a, a reasonable rate which i usually pay about probably about uh, 30 uh, anywhere from 20 to 35 dollars an hour uh, for a, for a good writer or or it translates into uh, like per page, I may have like a fi- uh, a fifty page ebook may cost me about anywhere from four hundred to about seven fifty. Is that and what people are bidding in that range, or those, do you see yeah, people that bid way higher than that and much lower? Oh, than that, oh yeah, or? yeah. I've I've seen some uh, where that came in with prices of in the two thousand to three thousand and even higher for uh, for an ebook and. And if you're if you're looking for something that needs to be super high quality, then that may be the way to go. But a lot of times I found that once you get to a certain a certain level of writing skill, anything it, anything above that is uh, is is just you're just paying extra. Huh. That's very interesting. Now, what about the kinds of things that require research? That that's the best kind that I that I send out. So because, they're doing the research also. Yeah, they do all the research. Well. Well, what if they're not really an authority on it? Like, they, what if they don't even know what they're talking about? They just find information they, out and write about it, and then you read it and go, whoa, this is way off. Or this right. Is- yeah, that, that's exactly how, how it's been done. I've got a, a guy who's writing for a client right now. He is, is a writer and writes on all different topics, and that's what he does for a living. But he's writing for a client in the human resources world. And he researches all the stuff. And I mean, this, the special reports he's created for us have just been awesome hmm. uh, with just like few changes because uh, I don't know anything about the topic. So I just pass it on to the client and say, you know, take a look at this. And the client usually only has uh, a few minor changes for these like 10-page special reports that we are creating for marketing material. And, and they're, the guy's awesome. So, so it's like uh, no research on, on our part. It's just like, here's the topic. You do it. And if it's, if it's wrong, well, then we tell them and they make the corrections and then they send it back. That's awesome. And how do you keep it from going over budget? Well, that's the thing with Elance. You just set a budget. Okay, so in other words, there's no chance of going over budget. I've never used Elance on an hourly type of thing. Yeah, I, I usually don't either. I usually just set a project. I say, I've, I've got a budget in this particular range. Right. And then uh, someone bids a certain amount within that range. And then, then when I pick that person, they've told me how much they're willing to do this project for. If, uh, and I've done in the past, if someone's done a really good job for me, and, and I thought, you know, I probably should have paid a little more for this. I'll give them a bonus. Oh, cool. Uh, so, because uh, if they do like really killer work or, or one of my clients just keeps coming back with, 
uh, all these requests for different types of edits and stuff and and they're just nitpicking right then i'm like oh sorry this took longer than it should have so i'll pay extra uh, on those in in those cases just just to keep good writers happy so i have someone to go to on a regular basis uh since i use them regularly so i i have to have a good relationship with the people i'm using on elance yeah yeah that's awesome um, so so now Oh, okay, so you said you'll have somebody else that does the actual design of the ebook itself, yes. or or does that person that you're talking about also do the design too? Or not, not just usually. Only? Yeah, not usually. I've I found that people who are good designers aren't actually good writers, or and writers tend to not be good designers. Okay, so so I usually separate that that out as two different projects. And, and I look for people when I'm doing an ebook, I want someone who has typography skills. So samples that I want to see are, uh, you know, print, uh, print type, uh, samples. I want to see, I don't want to see that they can do a web page. It's like, I don't care about your web page. I care about, can you do a print style? Can you do a book or a magazine? And did you pick good, uh, good fonts for, for what you were doing? And, and so I look at those different design elements and, and if, if they've got good samples, then I uh, put them on a job and I never put somebody on like a mission critical job and I've never used them before uh, because, Oh, I see. Right. Like, like this, this could lose me a client if this screws up. Right. I I would never do that. So I always test people off uh, with small stuff. And it's like, you do this one thing for me, and if you do a great job, then I'll give you another one, Mm -hmm. and then another, and Mm -hmm. then if you keep showing consistency, then you get all my business. So what is that person's skill set called? Is it typography? Is that what their skill set is? Or when you say, I'm looking for somebody to... Uh, well, so I'll say I need uh, an ebook designed. So, the, uh, and I'll say includes the cover. It'll include graphics. It'll include uh, typography, uh, both for headings, uh, subheadings, and for the actual body copy. So, I, I want them to really think about every p- every element, and that it all flows together. In, in a cohesive design. And now, so what is the budget on that one? What is that going to cost to have it done? And, and, I just, and what country I just does did, the best work there? <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I just uh, hired an American guy. He's actually out of Illinois, off of Elance, to, to do one for a special report. I wanted to see what, what he could give me. And he, and he bid $125 dollars. Oh wow! And and a bunch of other people had bid in the range of four hundred dollars for the design. Wow! And so I was like, ah, that that's a big difference. Yeah, you're so thinking, I oh was, no, there's automatically something wrong. Yeah, because automatically it's so different from everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. So I really thought something was, but his samples were were cool. Uh, th- uh, they were great designs, and and I said, you know, here out of these samples that I've seen from your portfolio, I, I want something similar to this. And, and he sent something back like almost, uh, like the next day and, and it probably took him, I don't know, an hour mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to create what it was that I'm looking for. He picked a good font. He, you know, he did everything I'd asked for and, and it was, it was awesome. And he, and it cost me $125. That's amazing. And I was just like, wow, that's, that is, you know, I was like, that, that's pretty cool. So, 
so you had a whole book made basically for $625, 500 bucks for the text, the writing itself, and then another 125 bucks for the design. Well, for this, for this particular project that I'm, that I'm talking about, uh, the 125 was for the design and the writing, uh, for that, cause it was only 10 pages, 10 or 12 pages. Oh, okay. So, cause it was a special report, not a full ebook. And, and the total costs came out to around $250. Huh. So, uh, so that's, that's just on that, on that side of it. I've done eBooks on my own where I've written them and had an editor come in and do that. And I've paid an editor, you know, a couple hundred dollars to come in and edit my eBooks and then have a design done for 200 to uh, about 250 or so and, and have the design done. So in those cases, I'm still looking at around uh, 400 to $500, uh, getting someone to just write a full eBook I've had someone do that for us as a ghostwriter, and that's something you need to negotiate when you're when you're actually having someone else do it for you, whether or not their name goes on it, or whether or not uh, you get them as a ghostwriter. That, that's something you actually have to say, even though you have the copyright ownership. It, it can change the price a little bit because some people like being able to have their name on it to prove that they wrote it, so they get more clients in the future. So sometimes that can cost you a little less than if you do it as a complete ghost writing. And, and there, there I've, I've tried to keep my budgets under $750. i have probably been too cheap on, on some of those. I probably could have done better in the $1,500 range because we're talking about writing a book. Yeah. Right? So, so I've, I've gone cheap in the past and, and this, the writing would just be okay, not passionate. And that's, that's one of the things that I find that you have to find a good writer who can uh, really bring forth a personality in the writing too. And that, that can be tough. That's why you and I kind of recommend do it yourself because you're already passionate. And I'm not a great writer. So if I'm writing something, I, I look for an editor uh, just flat out because I'm, I'm going to put in horrible grammatical errors because that's, I write the way I talk. And, and so that always comes out badly. So I, I haven't, I have editors come in and do my, uh, do the editing for me. Okay. So how much does an editor cost? Uh, it's a, a, by page. So they, they will charge by page and, and that can be anywhere from four or five bucks per page to edit to someone who has a lot more experience and, and does a lot more editing, like helping you uh, like a great editor will actually help make your writing not just better as in gr- uh, typos and uh, grammatical mistakes, but actually uh, make it uh, more concise, more compelling, and maybe even put you in a better direction. Okay. And so those are going to cost you a lot more so, uh, because they're essentially helping you write whatever it is that you're writing. So you may end up paying 20 to $30 a page in 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 that case. Do you have a recommended editor that you use then for, I mean, you don't have to say the person's name right now on the show. I'm just curious. Do you have somebody you go to, you return to again and again, or you still bounce around a bit? I, with editors, I still bounce around cause they come and go. Uh, and a lot of times, like w- when the economy's bad, like it is now, it's easier to find editors and writers, but when the economy picks up and there's more need for editors and writers, they're harder to get a hold of. Got it. 
So very interesting. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I'll just tell you my my experience with ebooks so far. I mean, I've bought ebooks on Amazon.com and you know, I've I've had a Kindle for a few years. I've bought from them and I bought it on my iPad and stuff, but I hadn't really I hadn't really uh, bought an ebook from somebody's website based on an interest or a product that I that I was you know interested in, right? Well, the funny thing is, the first person in my family to buy an ebook off an independent website was my son Blake, twelve oh, years wow. old. Yeah, so a few months ago, he announced that he wanted to buy this ebook called Wow Factor that was going to be like a whole. It was going to be like 150 pages of tutorials and tips and tricks all about this software, this 3D uh, graphic software that Blake likes called Blender, which is free open source 3D software, very difficult to use. And Blake really gets into it. He loves it. He's 12 years old. He loves this stuff. And uh, so he, he, we have this rule in our family where they have to declare what they want to buy and then they have to wait two weeks and that gets rid of the whole like buying on passion type right. thing, you know? So they declare, they write it up on a little note, they put it in the refrigerator and he waited to two weeks and then the guy did his launch and uh, this, it was like a, I don't know, I want to say like a 21, 21 year old kid or something that, that launched this ebook called The Wow Factor and he sold enough copies on day one. He put in, he sold the ebook plus the bonuses and he crashed a server and he, you know, the whole thing, he did the whole product launch that it was awesome. And then at the end of the day, you know, what happened is, uh, he announced, I think like the next day or two days later that he was quitting his job and going full time. And that's what he was going to do. His website provided enough income to him. And my son, my 12 year old son bought that ebook from him and he still reads it over and over and over. He loves that book. He cool. Put it on the put it on the iPad. He carries it around with him and reads it and references it. It's awesome. So anyway, after he did that, I started thinking. You know, I never really buy eBooks much. So I, since then, I've I've stumbled onto some eBooks that I have started purchasing, and I've become a huge fan of them. You know, I have an iPad, and I've I carry. I've read probably twenty or thirty different eBooks that I've that I've put on my iPad and I've probably paid for maybe 10 or 15 now total. Cool. So, you know, it's definitely something that I've personally become a fan of. Um, and I particularly like it because it's, it's a lot of information that you, that it's going to be hard to just go get it at the bookstore. And when you order something on amazon.com, like, like I, I like to order stuff from Amazon. And even if I get a Kindle, it's usually like published in 2009, 2008, you know, it's a couple years old. You know, so I like if you order it in an ebook format, it could be like hot off the press. It could be like a month old or just brand new or based on current information, what's going on right, right now. It's awesome. So and I also like it because it's searchable. I also like it because it's very portable. I mean, there's a lot of reasons I think that ebooks are really good. But what are the downsides? Uh, downsides in a lot of cases is that uh, people don't have, they don't value them. Uh, and actually, that's kind of a, a good and a bad thing. Because people will buy a bunch of ebooks and they may never get around to ever reading them. So, so yeah, you got essentially free money. Uh, but if people don't really consume your products, then they don't usually come back for additional products. Only a small percentage will continue to buy your stuff without ever consuming it. Uh, there are people who do that, but you can't really base your business off of, off of those people. So you really want people to actually consume the product. And, and ebooks are one of those things that they may start reading the first few pages, but it disappears because it's a file sitting on their computer or their Kindle or whatever it is that they're using to read their, your ebook. It's and, easy to lose. And yeah, so it just, it just disappears in, in this mass that's on their computers because computers, people don't keep them organized. So they just disappear. So... 
that's one downside, right? Is that it may not get consumed, so they may not buy from you again. So that so you need to actually do tricks in the beginning of your ebook to keep people going. And one of the things that I like to do is I, I usually call it like a multimedia ebook. So uh, the, an ebook is essentially just a PDF and and it's all text and you and images and stuff like that, but you can put hyperlinks in them. So a lot of people will just put like a hyperlink to some web page. What I like to do is have what looks like the image of a video being uh, like a screenshot right, a freeze a screen, frame from yeah, a video yeah. from a video with like the little play button yeah the play and so, button overlaid so, uh-huh. yeah so people think they're going as soon as they click it because they're thinking it's going to play right there oh yeah okay so they they because it looks like a player right uh-huh. there in the uh, in the ebook and then it opens up uh, the the web page and then plays the video so that way it brings them back to your website so I like to do try to put in little tricks and stuff that give value. So it's not truly a trick, but it's just something that is more of a trigger to get people to re uh, reengage with my website. You know, it's actually it's hugely valuable to the reader. I mean, God, can you imagine what if all the books that you read had periodic videos that you could click on and actually watch videos that illustrate the concepts that you're reading about, that'd be huge. That'd yes. be extremely valuable. And that's something you can do in an ebook that you can't do very easily. I mean, it's funny because I read a lot of technical stuff and a lot of the, a lot of the books I buy come with DVDs and CDs. Like if it, a DVD that has media, you know, maybe it's a training product that right. you can practice on or something like that. So it might have media. I'm reading a book right now that's about audio and it's got all these audio samples and stuff like that. It's just, it's funny because that's the old way of doing things where the new way would be, hey, just tap on this image of this video player and it takes you to the website and you can watch it right now. Right. And, and bringing, uh, having a book even putting a book with a disc in it, a lot of people put the disc in it because it gets people to pull the disc out and, and maybe use it. But even then, you really need to try to get people back to your website. And, and that way you can continue to re-engage them. And one way of doing that is to offer uh, updates to whatever it is that you've issued, especially if it's technical in nature. So if it's an audio thing, well, what happens when the the next audio software uh, update comes out and there's a new feature. Sure. Well, you don't want to write a whole new book because there's one new feature. Sure. So what do you do? You have an update and uh, all previous buyers get access to this update. Brings them back. And it brings them back and re-engages with, uh, with your website so that you may uh, be able to sell them something again. That, that, that's what I, so I usually, whenever you hear me talk about a multimedia ebook, that's what I'm referencing is I want people to engage in my website. I want them to engage in a video or an audio instead of just text. So what can people be putting in their ebook? We're talking about product creation here. Right. And so, I mean, we've talked about, I think on a previous show, Tim, how people can take just blog posts and basically put them together, flesh them out a little bit more, but not maybe not do, you know, 100% new original content, but you can turn that into an ebook and people will purchase it. Yes, uh, I... I think we've talked about uh, that. Yeah, but I think the, the main thing to focus on, especially if it's your very first product, is how to. Uh, that, that, that should be how to, how to do 
X. What, oh, right, what, right, right. That uh, the, whoever you are out there, you know, like whatever your niche is, the you should be trying. We've talked about trying to solve a problem. Somebody wants to fix a a certain thing, and which is a how to. Well, how to? How do I do? Uh, uh, what, what was like? What was the the cake decorating? Oh yeah, how, we did the cake decorating. But I was hair. saying Blake's uh, thing. What was that again? How to use Blender. Right, how, so you know, different different types of uh, techniques you can use in Blender. Right, he, he paid forty seven dollars for that book. I just want to point that out. That's a big purchase. for Oh, him. so uh, back to like the pros and cons. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So one of it was is that uh, people don't value it as much, right? So uh, the other thing is you can actually sell them for a lot more than you could ever sell a book in the bookstore. That's true. You you might be able to get away with maybe twenty six dollars for a hardback. Uh, in in a bookstore, which out of that twenty six dollars, you're probably going to get as the published author maybe six bucks. But if you do an ebook on that exact same topic, it's uh, you get you could probably sell it for forty six dollars, uh, and you would pocket uh, forty almost forty six dollars, right? So yeah. you would after after fees come out of that, you might pocket forty four dollars or something. And and if you have affiliates, you still end up pocketing twenty two dollars, uh, or or so, depending on whatever your commission was uh, that you were paying out. So even then, you're still making a lot more money than going the traditional book publishing way. So so that is that is one of its pros is that you can charge a lot more for an ebook than you could for a a hardcover book of the exact same topic. That is awesome. Okay, very good. Now, what's the most expensive ebook you've seen? Out of curiosity, I haven't. Uh, the most expensive ebook I saw was, gosh, maybe, maybe five or six years ago. A guy was selling a marketing book for uh, a marketing ebook for ninety nine dollars. Okay, so that that was the most expensive. I, I've heard that there's others out there, but I've never seen them. Okay, uh, that's just a straight ebook, mm-hmm. right? Uh, not not additional. Uh, material on a, on a website or anything like that, which is actually a, a really good idea is to use your ebook as a way to give people an introductory look at your membership site. Yep. So you sell them the $47 ebook and you give them a free month of your membership site so that you get them engaging and then offer to, uh, they could continue, they could renew by, you know, paying, you know, $47 a month. Uh, from that point on. Yeah, I, I, that's something that you see over and over and over again is how, how the book is great standalone content, but it's also at the same time something that, that makes a lot of noise. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It's, uh, uh, it, it's great standalone content, but it also, uh, it's also something that helps promote or market something else. Like, for example, these ebooks that I bought from Word Tracker, I've been buying a bunch of ebooks from them. I think I've bought nearly all of them now and I've read them all. They're all fantastic. WordTracker.com. Give them a little free plug there. But, uh, but all of the books basically promote Word Tracker's service, which is doing keyword research. Yes. So, so yeah, yes, they stand alone on their own. They, like, in other words, it's not just an advertisement for them. They, even if I didn't have the Word Tracker service, which I did purchase, but even if I didn't, hadn't purchased that software or that, that service that they offer, then the books are still great. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, oh, they're good on their own, but they're even better, and they help promote. Word, the- and Word Tracker doesn't write them. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. They outsource them to other authors. Yeah, to experts in, in those particular fields. Yep. So you get essentially inexpensive access to, to uh, experts on those uh, topics. Yep. And and Word Tracker has a big a big marketing reach, so it's a good thing for those authors, and and it's also good for Word Tracker because they don't have to come up with creating the content. I, I want to go back just a little bit and say that you know I'm always talking about things that I wish I would have done differently when I first got started, and one of the things that I wish I would have done differently is not been so cheap when it came to not spending money on knowledge. Not like there's so many times where I'll pay like twenty nine dollars for an ebook. And I'll learn all kinds of stuff that I wouldn't have learned when I first got started because I was so concerned about not spending any money at all when I was first going because I was just developing this company. I didn't want to spend any more money than I needed to. And so I wouldn't spend money on information. I did everything the hard way. Like I would seriously, I would seriously research and, and bounce around from website to website to website. And I would spend hours and hours and hours researching something. I wouldn't have a complete picture of it. You know what I mean? It would be like, it'd be fragments here, fragments there. I'd get a kind of an understanding, but I wouldn't re- become like a real solid, knowledgeable person on this subject. Whereas if I would have just spent 29 bucks on an ebook, then I would totally know how it's done. You and see the, what I'm and saying? That's, and that's what, what you should be doing when you're creating your how-to, is letting people know that, yeah, you could probably go out and piece together a lot of this information in free sources, but all this is compiled uh, in a easy-to-use, step-by-step manner, and it's going to save you a lot more time than the $29 you're going to pay to get this ebook. Yeah, that's something I wish I would have done differently when I was first getting started because I put in a lot of like you know hard work, basically, a lot of, I don't know, brain work, just trying to understand stuff that later on, you know, years later when, when I'm a little bit smarter now and I'll just spend the 29 bucks to get the knowledge I need. I mean, it pays for itself. If it, I mean, okay, so my average price point is, you know, anywhere from around $79, right? So I could pay, I could buy two eBooks for $35, $40 each roughly. And, and if I get one more membership as a result of buying, buying those two Ebooks, they pay for themselves. Right. You know, that's just a smart way to do it. And and I I have a hunch that there's probably other people in the audience that are like me, the way I used to be, where I was much more of a do-it-yourselfer type person, where I didn't value my time as much as I should have. I could have been creating more original content instead of having to figure out how to do something. Like if there's, a, you know, it's funny, if there's, a, people say things like, you know, how, I don't know, like, uh, how do I learn how to write a sales page? Right. How do I learn how to write a sales page? Well, you, there's all kinds of free content all over the place and you can piece it together or you can buy a book and really go in depth, read it in a weekend. And now, you know, totally how to write a sales page. You yes. know what I mean? And and I, I was going to say or you could outsource outsource it. But then you as as the owner of your company, you should have an idea as to how everything in your business works. Oh, sure. And and that includes how you sell something. You should know what your market wants. You may not be able to write the perfect sales page, but you should be able to explain why somebody should be able to buy it. Yeah, and why, why they, they, they should. should buy it. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Why somebody should. Uh, you should be able to do that because, well, it's you know your product. It's your passion. You know what it solves. So you should be able to tell people why and justify the price and justify your delivery and and everything like that. You should be able to do that. You may not do it perfectly, 
but you should know how it's done. And then when you hire someone to uh, to uh, do labor that you're not either good at or you know or that you hate doing, then you know when they they are doing a good job or when they're doing a bad job. So that's uh, that's why I think everybody should know the basics about stuff. So we've talked about having someone else write an ebook for you. And, and that is, I've, I've done it. Uh, it's, it's a viable way of getting, con- uh, getting a product built quickly without needing to take your time. But it really removes you from the equation. And when it's something that's supposed to be your passion, I would say you should at least... Probably be involved. <laughs> yeah, that you, that you should be creating the bulk of the content and then maybe having someone else make it into a, a polished uh, a piece, right? So, so we've talked about eBooks. So, what, what's our uh, our time? Because uh, because we, we, if we go into a part two, because we we haven't even talked about like uh, doing a video or an audio. Uh, so, yeah, we probably should go into part two actually. Okay, because we've already this one's already at. I'm I just saw it turn over on thirty seven second or thirty seven minutes. Okay, so, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I, this could go for a long time. I had no idea that we'd have so much to talk about here with this. Well, because product creation takes a lot. Because uh, one of the things that we talked about before coming on the air was about uh, uh, being able to uh, before you make your product, knowing whether or not you're going to make money from it. And and I'm not a believer of build it and they will come. I it, it just I just don't believe in that at all. So you need to make sure that you're going to be able to sell this thing before you ever build it, especially if you're going to end up paying somebody, editors and designers and and all these other uh, support staff to be able to create your product. You need to be able to guarantee you're going to make that money back. So that is something we should probably really cover in part two. All right, let's do that. But let's end this one. I'll just say, uh, hopefully you got some information out of this. I know this has been, I, I think people are going to really like this episode because it's so packed full of good content. So, And I don't think we wandered all over the place as much as we usually do. Uh, there were a couple of times there, where we jumped back and forth, or at least I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We did a little bit. But so, there's, it's still good. Still good information. Still good information. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. Hopefully you found this information helpful. We'll see you next time. Enjoy your Foolish Adventure. Thanks for listening to Foolish Adventure. If you found this information helpful and want more like it, please visit foolishadventure.com. Do you have specific questions you'd like us to answer? Leave a comment on the website. Who knows? Maybe we'll create a whole show to answer it. Also, we have a voicemail line where you can ask questions. The number is 480 331 4695.